Hello and welcome in the name of Hau Hebla Mufa to the eighth edition of the podcast series Burning Futures on Ecologies of Existence, today with Sueli Rolnik on the micropolitical combat. The ecological crisis we are facing today have impacts on our subjective experience of the world and on the experience of ourselves as subjects in the world. They might even necessitate another understanding of political subjectivity which is not based on the modern subject-object divide, but focuses instead on the modes of subjectivization between the self and the others that form our social and the so-called natural environments. How do we relate to ourselves and the environment in times of crisis? How do we care for both when threats and harms are imminent? How can we as subjects of the so-called Anthropocene find access to our vulnerable and resonant body within more than human living worlds in order to knit a balanced symbiosis. How is this in turn blocked by the current colonial racializing capitalist regime which co-shapes our subjectivity? And so finally, how can we understand and change our very desires to practice another, a better, more than human sociality? Yes, and these questions go back to one of the initial inspiration of our series, namely Felix Gadari's essay on the three ecologies, where the psychoanalyst and philosopher insists on the practical interconnections between environmental, social and mental ecologies. And we're pleased and honored to welcome today Sueli Rolnik, a close collaborator of Gadari in the 70s and 80s, and someone who has devoted her psychoanalytical and theoretical work since then to the condition of subjectivity and the production of desire under totalitarianism and neoliberalism with a strong focus on her native Brazil. Sueli has been arguing for years that we need a micro-political resistance on the level of the psyche and the body in order to unblock our subjectivities for a transformation of ourselves and a reinvention of our relationships, and not only to humans. The established micropolitical instruments alone, as well as mere critical consciousness, won't solve the problem. In fact, they are part of the problem, as they tend to block our access to the fact that our bodies and souls are themselves effects of environmental forces. And in this micropolitical transformation, Art and psychotherapy are as important as the sphere of political struggle. Zueli Rolnik is a Brazilian psychoanalyst, writer and curator, as well as a professor in psychology and theater. Her works, translated into German, include Zombie Anthropophagie zur neoliberalen Subjektivität, as well as Archive Mania, Archiv Manie. With Felix Gattari, she co-authored Molecular Revolution in Brazil, And her latest book will appear in English as Spheres of Insurrection, Notes to Decolonize the Unconscious this year. Welcome, Zueli. So thank you very much for this meeting, because I used to accept invitations when I feel that there is a real resonance between what I'm trying to work on and what the person who invited me is affected by, no? So it's a, with a great pleasure that I accept this invitation. And my thanks go to all 
of you. Uh, you put an enormous question both together, no? with many, many layers. I think that I will begin with the modern subject, as you mentioned, uh, Maximilien, because this form is the result of a specific unconscious regime which orientate our desire and subjectivity, this unconscious regime is sculpted in our brain and our desire only tends to circulate in those ways, uh, producing the same melody, you know? And because a regime is embodied, it, it, a type of subjectivity or one specific mode of subjectivation and also a specific mode of existence and the social cartography. But now, what I would like to say is something on the modern subject, because it is the mode of subjectivation proper to capitalism, colonial racializing capitalism, and it comes from the 50th century, but it has many folds until today, and in those different folds, the same unconscious regime go on, orientating our lives, but with different procedures and with different results as way of being and mode of subjectivation. So what is the characteristic of this unconscious regime since then, besides all its faults? I need some time to share with you my conception of subjectivity in order to go on to answer the questions and to share ideas on that. So. Subjectivity is our human experience of the world. But this experience of the world has many dimensions or many faces, huh, we can say. And one face is the one that we know better, not just because it's the one that all human knows better, but also because in this colonial racializing capitalistic, unconscious regime, we are reduced to this face. So this face, I call it the personal subject face. It's the personal face of our subjective experience of the world. In this face, we apprehend the world in its forms, okay? But when I see something or when I hear something, the way I deal with it is that the perception is not verging. The perception is based in a specific cultural repertoire and language and distribution of the different populations in the society, the relations between them. So perception not verging because as it is totally oriented by that, when I see something, I associate this form visual form in that case, with something in my repertoire of representations. And I project this representation to what I'm seeing, and then I can see if I can situate myself in relation to it and vice versa. So in that experience, otherness, the other, and by other, I mean here not only human other, all the components of the ecosystem, which we are part, so what we call nature, <laughs> as if it was uh, out of us, uh, but also situations. So otherness, the other is an object, it's something out of me, and I, I'm subject, uh, otherness is object, under which I project the presentations, 
And this is a very important layer, very important face of our uh, subject face, because it allows us to live socially, to exist socially, sharing the same code. But there is another face, which I call extra-personal, extra-personal face, is totally different our experience. Is our experience as living being. In this experience, we are part of an ecosystem, so we are part of a social, environmental, mental environment, okay? We are in relation to all the components of this environment. Everything that happens in this environment or the presence of everything that composes this environment produces effects in our body as living body. So those effects, which I call affect, affects are the effects of the world in our body, they produce a new state, living state in our body, different of the states that we know. The vital emotion of the effects of the world in our body. Otherness in this experience is not something out of me, an object, but it is a living presence that became part of me. The unconscious is the affects, those effects that change our state of living as a living being. And at the same time, the fabrication of something through desire that will respond to this destabilization. That's why we can say that the unconscious is the fabric of worlds. But it depends what kind of micropolitics run the fabric uh, this will totally change the products of this fabric, no? If, as in capitalism, what runs the unconscious fabric is this capitalist, racializing colonial regime, the destiny of life will be deviated from its ethical destiny in order to be invested, not as a creation process, but just with creativity to produce new opportunities of capital accumulation, not only economical capital accumulation, but also narcissistic and political. This series no, of podcasts, it's true that we are much more aware about ecology, the importance of ecology, but it's very common that this awareness is reduced to the personal subject phase because we know that we must change our behavior in relation to the living elements of the ecosystem, the air, the mountains, the minerals, the animals, the plants, etc. But this doesn't guarantee that we are overcoming our reduction to the personal sphere and that suddenly we are constructing the access to our own condition as living being and part of this ecosystem. So I think that we are confronting now all kinds of new social movements, all the struggles against racism, the feminism today, or the LGBT plus fights. They are articulating those two dimensions, the macro-political dimension and micro-political dimension. So I see that this is reversible because this dismantle the dominant unconscious regime. I, I think that all those efforts in order to introduce micro-political resistance in our community, 
now it's there. It's there already, practically. But we need to build cartographies in order to help us to be more and more precise. So there is a, a whole work to be done. And this is the aim of my life. This is what really, really excites me and make me move and make me not fall down in depression with this horrible situation we are living. Maybe to shift to the environmental ecologies at present, you spoke before about the friction between personal and the extra-personal phase of subjectivity. And in many places around the world, climate impacts are already being felt harshly. So I wondered how climate impacts kind of play into the relation between the personal and the extra-personal and what kind of stress or, or impact that has on subjectivization? Yes, it's a very good question again. Uh, Margarita, when we talked a little bit before was the weekend, she sent to me some material of Davos, the 21 Davos in January. And it's a very nice example to answer your question because, for instance, a very, very nice woman from Holland She was saying that we must now deviate the money of the foundations to focus humanitarian stuff because poverty uh, now is exploding. It was already, but now with the COVID, it's exploding everywhere, no? And also with the climate change. That is to say, we must help those people to go out from misery, of course, but insufficient. Because when I say humanitarian, what kind of humanity you conceive? Because this woman is talking on ecology catastrophe from outside. She's not talking about her own no perception as part of this ecology. She doesn't have access to the extra personal. The way she deals with destabilization is to help, to help. The other. We're not there to help the other. We're not there to construct together with the other. And all the discourse I heard, all of them talked on ecological catastrophe, of course, saying that it's a result of the human behavior, of course, but as if it was something outside of us, no? That have effects on us. This is one way to answer it. The other way is that also at the same time, not in Davos, there are many people that because of the climate catastrophe and because of COVID, the pandemic, it produces a kind of environment that can help each other to overcome this obstruction and to embody it as a living being. And this is also an example how this change is a collective change. And each gesture in that direction in the ecosystem can proliferate because, you know, in macro-political, the cooperation is to put together in an organized movement or party with a specific aim that we know before acting. We know what we want to do and invent together ways of do it in an organized movement. But in micro-political, A sphere, 
we put us together, the cooperation is totally different. It's the formation of some groups, some collectives that are dealing with the same problem from micro-political point of view. It's the fact that we collaborate, that we put us together, it gives each one of us more force to do it because it's not common to find resonance to that. And also, collectively, we produce those shifts. Each small shift, as in the ecosystem, is very important for the whole ecosystem. And we don't know what are our program. We just know that we are affected by the same thing. And the result of our cooperation will be the shift. And then we can say, ah, this is what we wanted. <laughs> so this is what we are doing now. And this also is a decolonizing procedure, very important, because we are distracting the obstruction to access, to have access to the sphere. But the embryo is there in our DNA, not only in indigenous or African people, it's there. And we must reactivate in order to make it germinate in the present. And what results a society from that is out of the violence of colonialism in that sphere. No? Mm -hmm. Maybe for us to go a bit deeper, to understand a bit better this potential or chance that we would have to displace, as you said, ourselves from the paradigm, to displace ourselves from our own extractivist character in the case of how we deal with the environment. And what we have been observing that might maybe lead also to this displacement is that there is a lot of shifts in mental or psychological cartographies in regards to the environment. The one thing you said is the consciousness, but we are seeing fear regarding uh, upcoming end of the world We know about extinction. There's movements. Fridays for Futures actually is using fear in order to make politics. And there's despair, really, to say there's nothing we can do. But there's also hope in this collective ways of people organizing. So in order maybe to understand more, is there a possibility in your frame of thinking to, to locate this fear in subjectivity or to locate this despair and maybe also the hope in regards of how we deal with the environment. So what is destabilizing us? The climate catastrophe, the pandemic, the poverty that neoliberalism is doing, the dismantling of state that destroy all the social laws, etc. Okay, this is reality. But besides of that, the new modality of power of capitalism since the financialized turn at the beginning of the 21st century is that in order to install globally transnational financialized capitalism as the maximum power, global power, we must destroy the social state. But to destroy the social state, we must intervene the micro-political micro sphere, destroying all the democratic state uh, narratives, putting a big confusion in all parts of this narrative. In Brazil, it began when Lula became president, the worker party. When those progressive leaders became president after dictatorships. 
I take the, the example of Brazil, but the same happened in Paraguay. But what's happening in Brazil now, that all the elite and the international capital, they invest on Bolsonaro, principally to destroy more and more the left. They invest in this character because they have as economical minister, Paulo Guedes, a man who is one of the Chicago boys to dismantle the state from this new level of economical point of view. But what happens is that Bolsonaro is much more crazy than they imagine, much more brute, much more narcissistic and authoritarian, much more ignorant, and he doesn't obey anybody, no? So, so under these conditions of the neoliberal market and these new kind of neo-totalitarian or fascist figures and structures, it seems to me that it needs some kind of exercise or practice in sensitization, a way to break free from those conditions. And I wonder what technologies of the self or methods of self-care would serve that purpose. I was thinking of the morning rituals that some eco-activist groups around the world now also execute in public as a means to gain something more than mere political consciousness. So I wondered if you could say some words about mourning as a subjective practice. No, it, it can be a micro-political device. I, I don't know very well what happened, the way it is done. This morning can be only a sentimental device in order to make people feel more comfortable. But it can be also, as you said, a way to cross this obstruction and collectively cross it, because it's impossible to cross it alone. Even this kind of psychoanalytic traditional device is two persons, not alone. Is in the field of this relation that things are deciphered and displacements are produced. No? For instance, here in Brazil now, the black activists and intellectuals, especially women, they are occupying the public scene. They are talking from another place of enunciation. And the strength that it has to black activists in order to go on radicalizing the micro-political resistance is incredible. And also on the few whites, <laughs> and it's very difficult because Brazil is the only country all over the world that never recognized the violence of colonialism, never recognized the violence of slavery, never recognized the violence of genocide of indigenous people, and never recognized the violence of dictatorships we had. And the colonial racializing capitalist unconscious, is totally at ease in our subjectivity. If you come here, you see that it's such an ignorance of middle class and elite, such an ignorance. They are totally ill under the power of this unconscious regime. So now, when the black movement is displacing in micro-political level their presence, of course, there is a kind of movement of a part of white people in order to deal with that, no? Mm -hmm. 
We were thinking of another um, potentiality of displacement of our subjectivities that might be able to occur through the experience of the COVID pandemia. And we were thinking, because you were describing subjectivity as an embodiment of desire and, of course, the extra-personal phase that is the realm of the body, right? Okay. The, the effects on the body. Of the living being. Of the living being. Yeah. And we were thinking that the pandemic is an experience or might be an experience of uh, our relationship with our body, with our mortality, and also an experience of a relationship of our bodies with other species, being the animals who might be uh, also coming with the virus and the ecosystem in general. And yeah. we also were thinking that maybe there is more than a consciousness about the importance of care, like a interpersonal relation of care between different bodies with each other. So our question would be, how would you describe the impact of the pandemic? And if there is an impact of the pandemic in subjectivity for you that might displace us or might make possible the access to something else than colonial rationalizing capitalist regime? Yeah, of course, the pandemic has this impact. The pandemic put us in a total destabilizing state. Very scary because we don't even know if it will finish one day. It becomes very clear that states doesn't care at all about that. Brazil is an example, the maximum example. All the injustice in a macro-political level become very clear. Even if we couldn't see, we can see now. So it's a life alarm. But the response to that, we see very active answers or changes, and we see also very reactive ones. For instance, this installation on micro-political level of this delirium, totalitarian delirium, this fake narrative, also become very strong. So, and you said about fear and hope, no? I learned that optimism or pessimism are two faces of the same perspective, no? It is a perspective that makes us think that we can reach a totally stable paradisiacal way of being, optimism, or the contrary, the world can totally collapse, no? Pessimist. But I am 72 years old and I participate to different generations of fight and collective construction. What I know today is that life is this constant process of transfiguration. And as Nietzsche said, the forms of reality, they are a result of a fight between different perspectives, which he calls different view of power. What he means, different degrees of affirmation of life. So I am saying with my 72 years, I know that the reality result of a struggle between different life degrees of affirmation, no? This never stop in a chapter. Sometimes the ecosystem is run by very low <laughs> degree of life and it's 
the necropolitics we have now is totally come from there. But it's never forever. And fortunately, I could deal with that. I could go on because I could be paralyzed. It was very difficult to go over <laughs> those traumas. No? But then, in times when life is totally under danger, that the life alarm is so high that it mobilizes people that can deal with that, that they didn't know but they can, <laughs> and they put them together, and, and the situation changed. And it doesn't change forever. It's an endless fight. <laughs> so what we need is not to desesperate to the end of the world, but to invest to precipitate the end of this world. No? <laughs> because it is agonizing, and you must act to help him to die, help this world to die. Bye-bye, enough, five centuries, enough. Burning Futures, Futures.